Stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, visit www.3cr.org.au. Because we got the alternative energy right. making our free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hi, my name's Mara. This Radioactive Show was produced and recorded on Gadigal and Wurundjeri land. This week we speak to the Australian Conservation Foundation's nuclear-free campaigner, Dave Sweeney, about what the results of the recent federal election mean for the anti-nuclear movement in Australia. Hi Dave, thanks for joining us on the Radioactive Show today. Yeah, pleasure, Mara. We just had a fairly bruising federal election. What are your thoughts about the outcome? Yeah, look, bruising is a good adjective. It was a deeply disappointing outcome. It was a a disappointing and frustrating election with a very poor outcome, which uh, is quite extraordinary because what we have is a party with no effective climate and energy policy and that has actively cut corners on environmental assessment and environmental protection, and they've been rewarded. We have, at a time when there is a growing sense of the need for urgent action for climate emergency and dealing with this, a, a party that is still riven by climate sceptics and deniers and uh, that, you know, the Prime Minister brings coal into the Parliament and throws it around and thinks it's a joke. So it is deeply disappointing. No doubt there's many listeners and many people that are hurting, that are shocked, that are surprised. And so I think there is both uh, a sense, a growing sense of like the damage that this government can inflict with its own agenda and the lost opportunities for advancing more considered policy, more inclusive policy and, and you know, a, a fairer and more equitable sort of approach to, to life rather than an approach that is very much um, not based around so much citizenship but based around corporate client sort of, sort of approach to community. So it is a deeply disappointing thing but, you know, we've got a responsibility, those of us who act in politics and by that I don't mean parliamentary politics I mean in the expression of ideas and the creation of our future and the shaping of our world we have a responsibility to um, dust ourselves off review revise but still keep moving forward absolutely because those problems aren't going away overnight so obviously the election result will have significant impacts on the various parts of the nuclear fuel cycle in Australia and I just thought we could go through those parts of the nuclear industry in the country and see what the see what you think the impacts of the election will have on those areas. So to start off with, what do you think the federal election outcome means for the proposed uranium mines in WA? Well, the one that that had attention during the election campaign was obviously Yaliri, where there was um, the news broke during the election campaign that the day before the election was called, the Environment Minister Melissa Price had, despite her previous clear commitments that she would not, um, the day before the election was called, she fast-tracked and rubber-stamped Yaliri's federal approval, despite the fact that it is still before WA Supreme Court consideration as to whether an earlier state approval is in fact lawful, and despite the fact that the WA Environmental Protection Agency has explicitly recommended that this project not go ahead because of direct extinction threats that it poses. So that uh, issue 
uh, obviously it was one that at the time um, the opposition leader, the then opposition leader, Bill Shorten, said was a, a shonky deal. Um, we would obviously have expected Labor to at minimum have reviewed the process surrounding that approval. The indications, although as we're speaking, the, the Cabinet hasn't been finalised, but the indications are that Melissa Price will be returned to that position or that portfolio as Environment Minister. And we can assume that that rubber stamp will um, not be challenged or reviewed and that what we need to do now is the continuing legal challenge and contest to Yaliri and the continuing community contest. You know, one of the strange things at the moment with the uranium issue is that the market is absolutely the friend of those who want to see Australian uranium stay in the ground, Mara. Mm. The market is, is strongly a disincentive for mining companies and it's really quite bizarre. When Cameco, the Canadian uranium miner, put out its media statement welcoming the fact that Melissa Price had broken her own promise and commitment and rubber stamp their mind. They said, of course, we're glad about this. We welcome it. They also said, we have no intention to develop this in the medium term because of challenging market conditions. Mm. They just keep so it what, in their back pocket until the, the price goes up. They keep it in their back pocket. It's more bankable. It's more sellable. Um, so those things are concerns, obviously, for, for us and for traditional owners and for people who are concerned about that country and this product. But yeah, there, there's not going to be, you know, a, a, a hundred people arriving in high vis to start work at Yuliri. There's not going to be people doing that to start work in any uranium project. So it's a, it's a real triumph, what we've got here, of ideology over evidence. Like they talk about let the market decide, but when the market's decided, if it's decided Decided in a way the government doesn't like, then they give every sort of favour in the form of mm. subsidies and fast tracking right across the board with uranium mining. Um, every project in Australia is contested. Every uh, project is the subject of legal, procedural, administrative or community challenge. And there is no other mineral that is as consistently uh, opposed right across the board every time someone digs a sh puts a shovel into some uranium rich earth someone's there to say no mm. and to try a variety of creative ways to stop them doing it and I think we'll see that there's not that's not going to change that none of this is going to change and one of the things that's in our favor it's hard earned is that we are used to facing oppositional governments. We are used to facing governments that are ideologically driven and that are trying to cut corners and get uranium out of the earth. And we are used to staring them down and working with communities and with stakeholders and with a whole range of players to ensure that those projects don't go ahead. So, you know, in one sense, it's business as usual on the uranium front. One difference, one specific difference that on the uranium front will be that the, the Mineral Council of Australia is pushing aggressively to remove uranium mining as what they call a nuclear trigger, a thing that automatically requires federal assessment. There's a review of the federal environmental laws. The Mineral Council is pushing that uranium be removed as an automatic trigger effect. We had commitments from the Australian Labor Party and from the Greens, obviously, that um, that trigger would remain. So that's an area that we need to be vigilant for because, you know, there will be some in the coalition that will be looking at ways that they can facilitate the uh, extractive industry and the uranium industry. And so we need to guard against that sort of corner cutting because we saw it rich and clear at Yuliri.
Yeah, and we absolutely need nuclear to remain a trigger for the Federal Environment Act. Yeah, very much so. So there's a lot of those administrative and, and sort of regulatory and legislative things that we need to watch. But on the big picture of uranium, always contested, still contested. Government will try and push it. Companies will look at it. Some who are small and have nothing else to do will bang the drum repeatedly, like Vimy Resources mm. in Western Australia. Others who are big and look at it as one of a suite of minerals, like Rio Tinto or BHP, will go, hmm. Or like Cameco, the world's biggest dedicated uranium miner, and they said, thanks, appreciate the rubber stamp, but we're not going to dig. Mm. So we need to use the time that this depressed commodity price provides, and it's not going to bounce back in any hurry. Uh, we need to use this time to ensure that we are keeping Australian uranium where it's safest, which is in the ground, yeah, right. and we are moving from radioactive to renewable for our energy future. Absolutely. Let's move on to South Australia and the proposed radioactive waste facility there. What do you think the federal election outcome means for that? Yeah, this is a this is a, a very significant one because unlike uranium, there actually was a growing uh, divergence of view and approach between the two major parties. The coalition are the creators of this process, which has seen two communities at Kimber and at near Hawker in the Flinders Ranges, Kimber in the Air Peninsula, Hawker in the Flinders Ranges, being targeted for potential sites to be a national radioactive waste dump and store. That's a coalition creation. Some in Labor said, oh, well, let's just roll on and do the same. Others in Labor said, no, it's terrible. Communities are divided. Aboriginal people are upset. They're in court. This isn't a good, mature process. It's it's corner cutting and it's a bit of sort of carrot and stick and that's not a good way to deal with the 10,000 year waste. So there were real avenues into a circuit breaker should there had been a federal Labor government. Those avenues are now shut. So what we're looking at is unless there is a review, and I always believe in the possibility of even bad decisions to be reviewed by the people that made them. We all do it ourselves in our own life. Let's hope that a government can do it. I believe that it's a possibility. I don't believe that that's a strategy. I believe the government will continue to pursue quite doggedly and perhaps more forcefully its approach of finding one of these three sites in two regions in South Australia to effectively relocate Australia's radioactive waste from a high security, high institutional assets storage in Sydney to much lower security in, in South Australia. So that is a really difficult one. We need, from the perspective of uh, nuclear free activists, the anti-nuclear movement in Australia, to review the situation and our strategy. We need to support those communities We'll probably be looking at uh, there's continuing court and procedural actions in both of those regions, those potential sites where Aboriginal people have taken legal action and administrative action over deficiencies in the consultation process and over impacts on cultural heritage. So we need to support and watch and track those actions. We also need to probably increasingly engage with EPBC, Environmental Protection Biodiversity Conservation, the federal environment laws, and our PANS are the federal nuclear regulator licensing laws. So this will be an increase in both community support and community mobilisation, and at the same time, an increase 
in procedural interventions and looking for ways because what's really important here, we're not on about trying to disrupt a federal process. We're on about trying to change a bad federal process because this is 10,000 years worth of waste. It needs to be actively managed and isolated for 10,000 years and the federal government is proposing to move it from a site of high management capacity to a site of far lesser management capacity with a promise that they'll do something about it, something about it seriously that is consistent with international best practice sometime in the next 100 years. It is not a mature policy. It is kicking the can down the road with no sense of responsibility, commitment or care. It is actually flawed, incredibly irresponsible. So we will continue to work with those communities to try and advocate responsible radioactive waste management. We'll continue to work with the Greens, with Labor, with Centre Alliance, with other political players who have engaged to varying degrees on this issue and explain why their support and attention and highlighting is necessary because this isn't a regional issue for regional South Australia. It's a national issue and our national government has been failing. There was an opportunity at this election to recalibrate it fundamentally. That opportunity, unfortunately, has been squandered. But the need to recalibrate it, the need to do it differently, remains as urgent as ever, and we remain as committed as before. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the campaign to stop the radioactive waste dump continues. We do have some idea what the current government re-elected plans to do. It'll be similar to their old plan, but they, fortunately they are currently stalled due to those court cases by the native title holders, and we'll see what happens after that. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with Dave Sweeney from the Australian Conservation Foundation about the impact of their federal election on the nuclear-free movement in Australia. Um, during the election campaign, Carl, Clive Palmer spent quite a fortune on advan- and trying to promote the advancement of nuclear power in Australia. Do you think he's, he didn't get any seats, but do you think he'll have any impact on nuclear power in Australia through that? Yeah, it was a very interesting thing to see that, um, you know, massive wraparound ads, regional TV and radio ads, all sorts of stuff and a very, very consistent theme. There were three themes in Palmer's uh, advertising. One was uh, you can't trust China. Two was you can't trust Shorten. And three was you need nuclear power. Your electricity bill will be 50% less and there'll be a revitalised manufacturing sector. Let's go nuclear. He spent between 60 and $80 million um, promoting that view. And he failed right across in every jurisdiction of this nation. He failed to reach even 5% of a vote. He didn't get a quota. He didn't get a seat. Um, He has significantly failed. And I think uh, nuclear power is one of the significant uh, losers. People aren't talking about it greatly, but one of the significant losers of this election. I'd like to think that this election is a clear repudiation of two things that we don't need in this country. And one is nuclear power and reactors, and two is hard right politicians. Like, good to see Tony Abbott go. Great 
to see Fraser Anning, a man who flies business class at public expense mm. from Brisbane to Melbourne to stand with a bunch of saluting fascists, is a man that we do not need in our national parliament. And it doesn't matter if you tick the box for Liberal or for Labor or for Green or for whatever, you just don't need to tick the back box for fascism. Absolutely. Um, that's just not on. So that was rejected. If you look at the One Nation vote, if you look at the United Australia Party vote, they've been really significantly reduced and rejected. They got nothing like what they expected. I believe the same is the same with nuclear power. Uh, during the campaign, we had the coalition's energy minister say that nuclear power is not appropriate. We had the prime minister say that nuclear power is not appropriate. They wouldn't be advancing it. So those things are important and significant. I'd like to see the climate issue is huge. There's no question that it was a huge issue. It didn't change a government, but the government must change to address it. And I'd like to see now the end to all is silly diversion and distraction of let's go nuclear and a genuine assessment of what our, our energy options and advancing towards renewables. Because this bloke has aggressively spent up to 80 million bucks saying we need reactors and the Australian population, not one in 20 agreed. So let's knock that off the agenda. And it's like he didn't actually notice that that South Australian Royal Commission into the nuclear fuel cycle happened. He missed that completely. Absolutely. It, it was absolutely, it was completely ideological, absolutely not a shred of evidence or wit about it. So it is a very uh, significant development. There's no question whatsoever that Clive Palmer's spend and Clive Palmer's preferences, particularly in Queensland, mm. um, exacerbated or enhanced the coalition's result. Absolutely. Um, so there will be some in the coalition that probably feel some debt of gratitude, but that should not in any way to anyone who has an ounce of economic or community or political sense in the coalition government, who are the government for three years, to that should not in any way translate into support for nuclear power because the South Australian Royal Commission ruled it out. It's illegal in our country. There is no bipartisan support. The Prime Minister ruled it out during the election campaign. And when Palmer took it using his funds, derived from wherever, um, and took it and sprayed this in TV ads, in radio ads, in, in newspaper wraparounds, nuclear power, great for this country, he was rejected. So let's just put that one behind us and move on to meet the real energy challenges. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the weapons ban treaty, what do you think the federal election outcome means for any chance of Australia signing or, and or ratifying the um, nuclear weapons ban treaty that ICANN has worked so hard on and got a Nobel Peace Prize for? Yeah, I suppose the short answer to that is um, very negligible chance mm. um, in the next three years. The, the coalition government is hostile to the discussion uh, that led to the treaty, is hostile to the treaty itself, um, is uh, slavishly lockstep with American military planning, even when that involves uh, extended nuclear deterrence and the threat of uh, the end of nations, which is happening now. We've got President Trump tweeting about the formal end of Iran mm. if you offend America. Like that's extraordinary, you know, that is extraordinary. So the coalition is effectively a write-off on this issue. 
there are some people of integrity within the coalition who understand this issue. There are some that are deeply uncomfortable with the dominant position. There are some that personally pray to whatever is their construction of their God and wish it was otherwise. But the coalition overall on this issue is so far behind the community, it's a write-off. So what we need to do is still put the pressure, they are our national government, so we still keep the pressure up, but what we do is we build the momentum to turn this into an unstoppable set of change. And I think what we'll see in relation to the treaty, and you're right, there was hard work and excellent work by ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, which saw federal labour in December 2018 commit to in government sign and ratify the treaty to ban nuclear weapons. That is such a profound thing. So we still have the alternative government. Um, and it's not an alternative government that's in shatters. It was a tight team going into and during the election, and it is a tight team now. I think people, you know, would do well to, to remind, like, the coalition vote was down during this election. The primary vote was down. Labor's vote was down. So, like, those two uh, major parties, they're not too far away. And the government doesn't have a Senate that's a rubber stamp. You need 39 votes in the Senate to pass legislation. You need 38 to block it. And if you put the ALP, the Greens, Centre Alliance and Jackie Lambie together, you've got 39. If you put the ALP in the Greens, you've got 36. So this is no, uh, this is no rubber stamp for... Uh, the Morrison government and some of the cracks that are fundamental in some of their policy positions or the absences, it's more gaps than cracks in their policy positions, will become exposed. In relation to ICANN, in relation to the Weapons Treaty, ICANN's working on a detailed report that explains why it's in Australia's interests. ICANN will sell that in and will continue to grow support and voices within Labor, within the Greens, within the crossbenchers. They'll maintain the issue profile. They'll continue to highlight the risks and like, you know, Trump tweeting on Iran is one example of that. And one thing that's really pivotal here, uh, Mara, is that you know, ALP, depending on how the ALP leadership goes, there might well be champions at a very high level in the party. And the other thing is that by the time there is the next federal election in this country, and no matter how bruising things are now, they come around, by the time there is the next one, this treaty, the treaty to ban nuclear weapons, mass indiscriminate weapons of destruction, it will have entered into force it will be international humanitarian law by the time Australians go to the polls and have their little frenzy about democracy sausages again. <laughs> and that, that will lead to whoever is putting their hands up. ICANN will be saying, are you putting your hands up as a government or a wannabe that is compliant with international humanitarian law or are you not? And I think when you look at all the polls, formal and informal, like the lowest ICANN is getting in support is 70%. Wow. So it, that is a mood that will be cultivated, grown, and it must be cultivated and grown because there are two existential threats. There's a lot of things that are wrong, but there are two existential threats on this planet. One is climate change. One is nuclear war. And we need to address both. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we have a role, an active and an important role as the nuclear free movement and as advocates and as supporters, people who want to see Australia move away from this industry in addressing both. Because nuclear power is not a solution. It's a dangerous distraction. 
renewables are the solution to climate change and nuclear weapons are vile, wrong and in three years time they will be internationally illegal and we need to be championing the, the end of nuclear power, the end of uranium mining, the fast tracking of renewables and the end of nuclear weapons. That's right. Um, that's, this brings me to my last question. What are your thoughts on the direction of the nuclear-free campaigns in Australia over the next term of government? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. It and is no different doubt, to what we'd hoped we'd get, so we work with what we've got. That's, that's absolutely right. We work with what we've got, and we've got to remind ourselves that we still, no matter how sort of depressing it is and no matter how much you can rail and with, when with good intent, about the poverty of a lot of the mainstream media coverage and analysis and about the unfairness of this and the, the stack deck of that. We still live in a country, by and large, by and large, where we can express a view and not be clubbed down in the street, where we can prosecute an agenda and not have our door kicked in at night. That's not always the case, but it's largely the case. And we should treasure that and guard that, defend and extend that democratic space. And I suppose the thing is that any activist, no matter what area of social change you move in or work in, you know that you don't just tick the box once every three or four years and that's your job done. <laughs> Democracy is about civic engagement. It's about people mobilising. It's about ideas. It's a contest of ideas. It's about hope versus horror. It's about engagement versus apathy. We're good at that stuff. We need to just pull up our boots no matter how sort of, oh, boring it is and go on and do it. The nuclear free movement in Australia is enormously resilient and enormously successful. We're used to contest, we're used to hostile companies, we're used to hostile media, we're used to hostile governments. We have won. We have stopped bad plans for domestic nuclear waste. We have stopped even worse plans for international nuclear waste. We have defeated domestic nuclear power. We have stopped uranium mines in Kakadu, South Australia, Queensland and more. And we've done that against the flow of institutional power. So we know the spot we're in now. We hoped it would have been different. It's not. So we pull up our boots and we keep going and we do it. We continue, we regroup, we reflect, we reappraise and we go on and we continue to make a difference in the journey of moving this country from an embracer and a provider and an excuser of dirty power and dirty politics into a country that leads the way in renewables and leads the way into intelligent, mature, multilateral engagements. Absolutely. So we continue. We continue. No carborundum. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Dave. We really appreciate having you on the show, particularly for a um, rather traumatic for some people election debrief and to see where we go forward from here because the Nuclear Free Movement Australia has been going for quite some time and we will continue until we win. Yeah, thanks very much and thanks for the opportunity and it's really important. It is important not to gloss over it. It is important for people to take the time that they need to to grieve or to get over their bruises or to get over the scar or develop some scar tissue. But the important thing is to know that there are very many people in this country that want to see the trajectory of this country changed. And we stand in a tradition of people who against the odds have shaped a better future. We We're the torchbearers of that now. We're the torchbearers of that now. And we actually don't have the luxury of despair. No, not at all.
Thank you so much for your time, Dave. We'll speak to you again soon, no doubt. Look forward to it, Mara. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks so much to Dave Sweeney from the Australian Conservation Foundation for sharing his thoughts about the impacts of the recent federal election on Australia's nuclear-free movement and for giving us all a bit of inspiration. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was produced on Gadigal Land for 3CR Melbourne with the support of Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues.